Today we celebrate our patronal feast day, the Feast of St. Luke. Now his actual day is October 18th, but really, how many of you would actually come back here to party on Wednesday? So we're doing it today. Crazily enough, this is the third St. Luke's parish I have served in since 2010. So a few years ago, preaching on this day at St. Luke's Long Beach, I began what I had hoped would one day be an epic poem to commemorate our patron saint. Sadly, I only got as far as writing one stanza. But hope springs eternal. And today marks the debut of verses two and three. <clears throat> One. St. Luke, St. Luke, he ain't no fluke. Nor is he a religious kook. But he is the evangelizing duke. And he wrote my favorite gospel book. Now, it may come to you as shock that Luke, he was a medical doc who also wrote in Greek a lot. So don't go saying he's a crock. Three. In fact, 25% is what he wrote of the New Testament. All while companionship to Paul, he lent. So how about that, lady and gent? Thank you very much. <laughs> you can also thank your search committee and vestry later for their wisdom in hiring such a genius. <laughs> the Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim release to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to let the oppressed go free. To proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Today this scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. But not in the way you might think. You see, I know that many of you have waited for this day to arrive. Longing for its appearing for over 18 months. Exhausted by all the work and patience a search process requires, praying that all will be well and that your beloved parish's future would be secured by my coming. And so I hate to let you down, but I have to confess, I'm not Jesus. <laughs> Nevertheless, today this scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing because together we are Jesus. We are the body of Christ. The spirit of the Lord is upon us and we are blessed to have this time to journey together for the next however many years to bring good news and release and recovery of sight and freedom and favor to those who so desperately need it all around us, including ourselves. Luke places this scene in the synagogue at the start of Jesus' ministry. Unlike his source text, Mark's gospel, which sets it in the middle. As a result, these words of Jesus and Luke act like an overture to the work he is about to undertake. It's like the beginning of the movie West Side Story, where you hear a medley of I Feel Pretty, America, G Officer Krupke, all the songs that you'll hear later. 
This passage today is Jesus' overture. Because later in Luke's gospel, you will see the poor comforted, sight restored to the blind, those captive to demons and other oppressions released. In fact, the whole of Luke's gospel could be distilled into this short passage from Isaiah and the proclamation of its fulfillment that Jesus makes. And maybe this day, today, will be our overture here at St. Luke's Los Gatos. Each of you carries little snippets of songs your heart is singing for this place. Songs of hope you bring with you this morning for growth, new ministry, deeper faith. I know they're in there because you love your church and you want a bright future. In fact, I can almost hear them now. I want some children in Sunday school and young adults to sit in the pews. Outreach programs for the helpless too. Just don't ask me to teach Sunday school. <laughs> and I, I think I hear another song out there. I feel anxious. We're not growing. And we're owing some money today. I want numbers to go up and never down. Okay. And one more song I hear out there. At least one more song. Gee, Father Ricardo, we're down on our knees. Religious education's what we're longing for, please. And shepherd us into some new ministries. Gee, Father Ricardo, Put us at ease. <laughs> They're all there. <laughs> Thank you. All those songs, sung and unsung, strung together, hopeful, if a little anxious. They are a medley of what's to come, of what our community longs to film as its sequel to the ministry of Jesus here on earth. And I want to emphasize that word, hopeful. Because if I had one title to give to the Gospel of Luke, I would call it the Gospel of Second Chances. Examples abound of outcasts being restored in this text, of losers being loved once more. So of the three synoptic Gospels, Luke and Matthew borrow much of their material from Mark. But they also have their own alternative sources of oral tradition handed down about Jesus. So the L source, which stands for Luke, brings its own unique narratives to this gospel. We hear the story only in Luke of ten lepers who are outcast and then who are healed, given a second chance to rejoin their community, and of the Samaritan leper who runs back to thank Jesus. Only Luke tells the story of a prodigal son who leaves his family, wastes his share of the inheritance, yet is still met on the road by his father's embrace, his former life of debauchery, shame, and loneliness melting away in the heat of abundant forgiveness. We hear a criminal dying on a cross plead, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom, and are pierced by the reply, today you will be with me in paradise. And only Luke's gospel has my favorite supporting actor in the New Testament, Zacchaeus that short little tax collector whose stinginess and collaboration with the Romans is transformed into extravagant generosity by his encounter with Jesus. 
It's Luke chapter 19, if you don't remember it. So these stories in Luke all end the same way. With a God of abundant mercy and radical inclusion, embracing every outcast and sinner who longs to be loved again. It is the gospel of second chances. And not to be presumptuous, but I imagine that at some level, each and every one of us in this church needs a second chance. We carry some sense of not quite rightness in our soul, alongside a yearning for that wound to be healed. Even if for no other reason than that we're human. And to be human is to suffer, to sorrow, and to stumble sometimes. We long for that second chance. And so you come here to St. Luke's, hoping to find something you're missing out there. And because you love this church so much, you long for it to have its own second chance. Starting today. Together, we will hope for and work towards bringing all those second chances to fruition. So I started a tradition at the last parish where I was. So I guess it's not a tradition because it's only happened once. But I would like to continue it here. When I first come to a parish, I would like to learn. I like to learn all your names. It's kind of important. Names are important. But I have figured out a way to do it that's very efficient. I want you all to say your first names out loud at the same time. <laughs> that way I only have to hear them once and I'll get them. So, at the count of three, would you please call out your first name so I can learn it. And you can quiz me later. One, two, three. Got it. <laughs> One task down already. On my last Saturday in Long Beach uh, about a month ago, I visited two parishioners at the same hospital. Mike's son had just been born that morning, four weeks premature. So I came to pray for the baby and his parents. The baby, just six hours old, lay unswaddled under a heat lamp in the nursery to keep warm. Through the nursery window, I recited the prayers and aimed my blessing at him. But this thing suddenly happened where during his sleep, his entire body suddenly jerked like he had just been scared out of his wits. He was still sleeping. He didn't wake up, even though he had a few of those spasms. I was going to demonstrate here by lying on the ground, but I think that might be a bit much. <laughs> Nan says yes. But he was, it was just literally like, without opening his eyes. And I, I was worried when I saw that. But Mike said that it was normal. And was one reason why babies are usually swaddled up in a sheet. To keep them tight and safe. So once I knew that, it actually looked pretty funny. Then I went upstairs to visit John in his early 80s, who had had a stroke the previous week. His wife, Lucy, was also there and reported that he was improving every day. They were longtime members of the parish, and I knew this was my goodbye before leaving town. So I thanked John, as he lay half asleep, for all their kindness and generosity towards me and for their example of faithful commitment to the church. As I was talking and blessing him with holy oil, John suddenly began to cry and moan 
his eyes still closed, almost childlike in the rawness of it. Lucy shushed him quietly, and he calmed down after a bit. Then I left. That baby was later named Matthew, and he's doing fine. And I believe John is now out of the hospital. But the images of a baby shaking itself in sleep and of an elderly man crying like a child have stayed with me. My time of ministry here with you is not about healing you and making you whole. Remember, I'm not Jesus. My call, rather, is to help bring forth what's already inside you and longs to be born as a person and as a parish. My call is to accompany you in your tearful goodbyes and your losses. It is to thank you, to shush you, and to calm you as needed. And it is to bear witness and to cheer on that second chance that struggles to shake itself awake in this place, like an unswaddled infant dreaming of something new. Together, we will do all of these things. May God bless St. Luke's Los Gatos on this, our feast day, and always. Amen.